Hello everyone, I'm Simon Ford of Forge Gin. Martinis, gin and tonics, Negronis, great classic cocktails is what I'm about. But I also love to hear of great recipes from great bartenders from around the world, which is why we've partnered with Beyond the Drink for this season. Cheers. Well, you just heard from the man himself, Simon Ford, and this season of Beyond the Drink is brought to you by our friends at Ford's Gin. I'm Cappy, and in this series, we're going to hear from some of the best bartenders in the country as they share the stories and recipes behind their favorite drinks. Beyond the Drink is a spinoff of Beyond the Plate, our podcast that sits down with the world's culinary elite to explore their journey into the food industry and the social impact they have made in their communities. We invite you to check out this season of Beyond the Plate, where we're featuring some of the greatest restaurant and hospitality duos. And if you're new to Beyond the Drink, welcome. If you listened before, we're so glad you're back. We hope this episode inspires you to create a delicious cocktail or, like the bartenders we feature, make a difference in your community. To get the cocktail recipe we discussed in this episode, check out the episode notes in your podcast player or go to beyondtheplatepodcast.com. One more thing, we have some awesome Beyond the Plate merch. You can find the link in your podcast player or go to our website, beyondtheplatepodcast.com. Head on over and check out our hats, tees, hoodies, and more. Again, that's beyondtheplatepodcast.com. Enjoy this week's episode. All right, Mike, for our audio test, for our chefs, we like to have them name three of something or five of something. So for you, why don't you name three ingredients that you love to use with gin? Campari, strawberry, mezcal. Love it. You sound good. Let's do it. Today's guest is a 23-year hospitality industry veteran with extensive work in Atlanta, Los Angeles, and New York City. He's the owner-operator of a neighborhood cocktail bar in Los Angeles that I recently read was... I quote, currently the best bar in LA, end quote. The bar program focuses on excellence, consistency, and sustainability, utilizing cutting edge tech. Love this. Oh, sorry. Let me go back. Also, his bar was recently voted number 10 on the list of North America's 50 best bars 2023. Not bad. You can find more on him in the episode notes and follow him on Instagram at MF Capo Ferry. That's MF C-A-P-O-F-E-R-R-I. Please enjoy this episode as we go beyond the drink with one half of a dynamic bartending duo, Mike Capoferi. What's up, Mike? Hey, thanks for having me. Apologize my sort of other half in cocktail crime can't be here. Cameron Robertson, our general manager, was supposed to join me, but he is on vacation in Mexico, so don't feel bad for him that he's not here. The brilliance of duos. You get to take a vacation and the other one holds down the fort. We are almost never in the same place at the same time. It is, you have to, if one of us wants off, the other one's kind of got to be there, so. Yeah, totally, I love it. Mike, let's, uh, thank you for being here. Let's get going, we'll do a little warm up, a speed round, if you will. Let's do it. If you speed round questions, number one, name the cocktail that inspired you to get behind the bar. Oh my God, it's embarrassing. It's the blood and sand, and it's like my least favorite cocktail in the world now, but the first one I had blew my mind. I was like 19 years old, 20 years old, blew me away. Number two, what pisses you off behind the bar? Oh man, people whistling to get my attention or one of my bartenders' attention are snapping. Ooh, that's a good one. What makes you happy behind the bar? You know, hospitality. I love it. I love being behind the bar. And last one, the one gin-based cocktail everyone needs to try. I mean, a Negroni is the king. It's the not just gin-based, it's the one cocktail everyone needs to try. I love it. Awesome. This is going to be fun. Excited about this cocktail you brought for us today. It sounds like it should taste 
delicious as a meal, but it's a cocktail. So tell us all about this gin cocktail we're going to discuss. Yeah, the cocktail we're going to talk about today is called the Liquid Picnic. And it's been on the menu at Thunderbolt since day one. It's when we opened the bar, we opened with a 10 cocktail menu. The idea was that every cocktail was going to utilize or feature a technique or an ingredient that was unique to us and that we were sort of attempting to further or develop. And this one is a technique that we use a lot now that is we call it dilution substitution that is really instead of stirring or shaking a drink to get dilution from water and to chill it we have custom refrigeration behind our bar that allows us to use things other than water for dilution and so this is the gin martini using that technique wow it sounds more complicated than it is i want to know about this dilution i want to know why don't you take us through the cocktail take us through the liquid picnic yeah the ingredients how it's made and then dive in from there Okay, so uh, when you read the liquid picnic on the menu, it says something along the lines of a lemon dry gin, tomato, citron, rosemary, black pepper, salt. And then the, we have a little subtext for all of our cocktails to sort of guide people into what their type of drink they're getting. So there's a little bit of an expectation there. And it says, reads like a salad, drinks like a martini. The idea was, let's give you something that looks like a crystal clear martini, like a gin martini that you've had a million times, but have a lot of sort of surprising flavors and texture in there. So what the drink is, we use Ford's Alana Dry Gin. The citron element is Nardini Aqua de Cedro, one of my favorite little hacks for martinis. I'm always subbing that in for part of the vermouth element. It's a citron liqueur from Italy. Uh, there's dry vermouth in there. We make a black pepper tincture that's like a high concentration tincture into pure alcohol, a little saline solution. And then the rosemary is a distillate that we buy from Massines. It's a brandy producer. They make all sorts of uh, all sorts of like herb distillates. And then the tomato element, arguably the most important element in the cocktail is clarified tomato water that serves as the dilution rather than water. Ah, interesting. So is it all, is it mixed, shaken, everything gets added? A martini, traditionally a stirred cocktail, right? You don't really want to add aeration and you don't want big chunks of ice in your martini. You're stirring it with ice. Two things happen when you stir that cocktail, a traditional martini with ice. You are diluting it and sort of the secondary effect of adding that dilution is cooling. So stirring with ice, melts the ice into the drink, you add water to it, and you drop the temperature down. If you start long enough to its sort of equilibrium point, which is right at its freezing point that is variable based on the alcohol content of the drink. So the more alcohol you have, uh, the lower the freezing point is going to be, the colder it's going to get when you stir it. So what we do, rather than stir this thing with ice, is we add a measured amount of dilution in the form of clarified tomato water. We then store that batch of the entire cocktail up, bottle it, put it into a refrigerator that we had custom made that we can set right to the freezing point of that cocktail. So we can get it down to the temp it would be if we stirred it, but we don't have to add water to it. To do that, we can use other things. So for this one, we use clarified tomato water, it gives this great sort of like umami backbone to it. It makes it really unctuous in texture, but it looks clear like any martini would. The other effect that has is it services incredibly fast on it. So because the thing is made earlier that day, brought down to temp overnight, we can pour it in about two seconds for a guest. It's just a pop into a frozen glass and serve. Wow. So this is really interesting. It seems like you all, I hit upon in your bio, like the excellence, the consistency, the sustainability. It seems like efficiency is probably a big thing for you all. And consistency as you're talking, just how this cocktail comes together. It sounds like I'm sure a lot of work is put into each one of your cocktails. It's not just, let's add this and this. There's many other things behind the method and the technique leading up to the build, if you will. So most of our cocktails, we say, they take an average of like two days to make. 
we're making hundreds of them at a time, being like very exact about weights and measures so that I think you use the word efficiency. I think efficiency sort of encompasses all those other words that we're aiming to get, right? If you're being hyper-efficient, everything is exactly consistent, is exactly as high quality as it can be because we're doing it all in advance when the pressure's off, when we have the scales out and we have all the measurements and you don't have to be in a hurry when you're prepping, that makes the serve incredibly fast, incredibly consistent, you know, exactly the same every time. Uh, there's a little bit of like a learning curve for the guest. Sort of one of the tenets we built Thunderbolt on is let's not put the science in your face. We don't want to like read as, I don't know what, like pretentious if there's not a better word for it. We really just want to read as a very casual neighborhood bar. So sort of all the tech and all the toys and all the prep happens right before opening. We clear the bar at 4, 4.30, we open at 5, you don't see any of it happen. So for guests who don't know and just walk in, we've gotten a couple bad Yelp reviews that are like, oh, they pre-batch their martini. And I'm like, yeah, man, <laughs> you have to pre-batch this martini. There's no other way to serve it. Like, it's you're welcome. We did it. We spent two days on this for you. We clarified tomato water in a centrifuge. It took fucking forever. You know, like we did this for you. But yes, yeah, so your one-star review noted. Yeah, we've gotten lazy. So there's like a learning curve and like we don't let that stuff really affect us because it's fine and if you know, you know kind of thing and that girl still had a great martini and I feel pretty happy about what she received, but she, we don't want to force that conversation. And part of that is I'm not going to serve you the martini and go onto this 20 minute diatribe about the drink, unless you ask and you want to know how it happened so fast or why we do it that way. And then the bartender's happy to tell you, but if you don't ask, we're just going to put it in front of you. Here you go. So it's a little bit of a different sort of ethos in bartending. We sort of are removing anything superfluous. There is no show there. Is, we don't garnish anything. There's no, it's just like we are reduced down to the purest form of the thing we want to serve you with no pomp and circumstance. I love it. Is there another, I'm just now curious, like, is there another quick example? I know you, you mentioned like these cutting edge technique and some of the stuff that happens more behind the scene. Could you just give another example, whether it's the dilution or just another process that maybe takes hours or days to accomplish that component? We have a handful of techniques that we really have dove into and we're like about to release a new menu that sort of breaks down the drinks by these techniques. We do a lot with forced carbonation, sort of like students of Dave Arnold and the, really all the methods he developed and really could not do what we do without his book, Liquid Intelligence. And so we have taken his methods of carbonation and scaled them up to be able to serve like on our 16 cocktail menu, we have four carbonated drinks and carbonation takes days to do it right. We have to get things clear. We have to get things down. As I talk about at that equilibrium, like freezing point temperature, we carbonate overnight at high pressure. It's like a whole process. So forced carbonation is a big one. Another one that we sort of pioneered on our own was using hydrocolloids as egg white replacement in sour style drinks. We want to be able to serve a really high quality sour. I really hate the way that egg white smells in a drink. It gives it this sort of like wet dog aroma. As soon as it's not ice cold, it really starts to stink. So we work with hydrocolloids a few different ways for different cocktails to make a sour style drink that happens really fast and has like a really consistent, really beautiful foamy head on it and is vegan and is quick to make and doesn't have any extraneous flavors you don't want, doesn't over dilute the cocktail. So we sort of like have a handful of these things that we build a rubric off of and we build our menu based on that rubric, if that makes sense. When did you start to get into this style of were you always into the, I'm just going to call it like science or process, but have you been into it for a long time? And are you constantly after or looking at new techniques and whatnot? It's pretty interesting. Yeah, I, you know, I sort of have always kind of approached 
just everything this way. Like, let's make it better, faster, more efficient, right? It's I'm just kind of like a systems person. And so after many years of bartending, I took a role as a brand ambassador for sort of a large liquor supplier. And it was like a West Coast role. So I was traveling, really, my markets were from Texas West, and it was my job to go to bars and sort of like do educational events for the industry. And so I was averaging 120 bars a month I was going to at this job, and I did it for four and a half years. So it was really a fantastic experience. I got to see what everyone was doing. I got to meet everyone. I got to learn what worked, learn what doesn't, bounce ideas off of people. So it was like this intensive learning experience about what is happening in the industry. So I got to see a ton of stuff. I knew that I was going to be opening a bar. My bar took a really long time to open. I had a ton of time to sort of work on this stuff. It took four and a half years after I signed a lease for us to open our doors. It's this whole other podcast about opening something in Los Angeles. Don't do it. It's not worth it. It's a nightmare. So, but it gave me a ton of time. So like we, we built the bar, we designed the bar, we laid out the equipment, knowing the drinks we were going to serve when we opened, like knowing the techniques we were going to use. So there was no retrofitting after the fact, like everyone has to do at their bar when they want to introduce a new technique. We built the bar around those pieces of tech because we had the luxury of four and a half years to figure it out while the city was figuring out what they were going to let us do. So wild. Yeah, it was kind of a, a like a long education in bar stuff with that brand ambassador role. Yeah, that's interesting, man. That So Liquid Picnic, that sounds delicious. Next time I'm in LA, definitely going to head on over for one of those. It still drinks like a like a martini. It's still familiar. You know, there's just like a lot going on, but it's still a familiar gin martini. Well, I love that, man. And not, I'm in Chicago. I'm based in Chicago here. So, you know, I'm sure you're familiar with Grand Ackett's and Alinea oh, yeah. and whatnot and some of the stuff they do. And, you know, like people ask me about Alinea, like, oh, is it worth it? I'm like, yeah, it's really worth it because they spend a ton of time on flavor, technique, textures, mouthfeel, all these things. And they're dropping something in front of you that tons of time went into, but it's a lot of times it's things that are familiar. They're just, they're maybe a familiar flavor presented in a different way or familiar aesthetically, but the flavor is different, you know, and they, and it's really fun and worth it, as I always say to them. So, you know, I think to your point of drinks like a martini, people know a martini, but they're going to get this pop of umami from the tomato water or something like that. We're going for like the latter of what you just said. We want the menu to read familiar. We don't put any purposefully confusing words on there. We don't like invent names for ingredients that we make in-house. We don't, I don't just the word infused or clarified is nowhere on the menu. You know what I mean? We just put the flavors, we make it read really like informal and really familiar. And we give a description of what kind of drink it's going to be similar to, or we describe the drink in some way so that you don't feel stupid for not knowing something. And then it is delivered to you in a vessel that is very familiar. It looks like something you've seen before, but then the, we really want the flavors to surprise you or the texture or something within that drink is, is always like a, a surprise. If you just show up, and someone invited you to this bar and you know nothing about it, we want you to feel very comfortable and like it's a very familiar place and not like you have to like read a textbook to understand what you're drinking. Totally. I love it. Thanks for that. So on our Beyond the Plate podcast, our listeners know we celebrate social impact and giving back with every guest and what we've come to learn over some of these bartender episodes, which was definitely no, not shocking or not a surprise. It's no different for you all and how much you all do in the community and learning how you do it truthfully is what keeps me and the whole team here inspired. You all do it in your own way. So I'd like to give you a moment to you know talk about or shed some light on whether it's a certain cause you work with or a charitable organization that you give a shout out to or raise some awareness for. Oh, 100%. So we always have two cocktails on the menu at any given time that are raising money for 
something local. So uh, we have a cocktail on the menu called the Echo Park Trash Can that is always raising money for the same organization. It's called the Echo Park Trash Club. We're in the neighborhood of Echo Park in LA. Echo Park Trash Club is an incredible volunteer org that really just started with friends who live there, cleaning up trash on the side of the road, but has really evolved into so much more than that. They spend most of their time working closely with unhoused encampments, cleaning them up, getting them what they need. So yes, they are picking up trash, but it's really like a very intimate community service they provide. And so we donate monthly to them. We're always raising money with that cocktail. And our our donation really like supports their truck specifically. So we uh, work with different brands to also like match our support. And so we're able to raise more than we could just on our own. So we always have like a brand partner in that drink. And then our second is always rotating. So every month we pick a new brand to work with and a new local foundation. And it can be something that is really important to the representative from the brand we're working with, or we pick. We often work with Know Us Without You, an organization that I'm sure people on this podcast have heard of. They're incredible. Homies from LA, bartenders from LA that support undocumented back of house workers and provide meals for their families. So that's like the one we work with the most often on that rotating cocktail, but it's always moving. It's We just try to keep it local if we can. I love both of those things. Thank you for sharing. And I think what you said to me was really eye-opening. It's something that seems so doable that I haven't really thought about because some chefs come on and they may be donating uh, a dollar or a few from a certain dish or bartenders come on and donate a dollar or two from a certain drink. What you said in finding a brand or a partner to work with you and match that donation, you hear about donation matches all the time, but what a great way for you all to take that a little bit further. That's awesome. I love that. Margins in bars and restaurants are terrible. So (laughs) if you can maximize your donation by getting someone with much higher margins who has more money to put into the pot, like that's a big deal. And they see an ROI on it because we're using their product in that drink. So that's definitely like a symbiotic relationship there. And it raises more money for a good cause. All right, Mike, before we go, we're going to try something new this season on Beyond the Drink. As people who listen to Beyond the Plate, they may know we usually have a closing question or two for chefs. And oftentimes it's a nod to a chef giving advice to a group of people, whether it's their 25-year-old self or whether it's a young duo or whatever it may be. So let's go that direction with you. Give us a piece of advice or some advice for young bartenders coming up in the industry? Oh man, yeah, so much. I would say the biggest thing is if you're gonna do this for your career, start taking care of your body now. Bartending is a full contact sport and it's everything from learning to shake with both hands. So you're not just destroying your dominant shoulder to stretching and doing yoga and moisturize your face so you don't end up looking like this, all wrinkled. And part of that is also when you go to these big events, never finish your cocktail. Taste it and put it down. You'll be so much happier you did that than if you finish every drink. This is like, it's good timing. We're coming up on Tales of the Cocktail. So that's, if you're going to Tales of the Cocktail, never finish your drink and you'll feel great. Love it. Good tips, man. Appreciate that. This was great. Thank you. I I love getting a chance to talk with you. Appreciate everything you do. Thank you. Thank you. To get the recipe from this episode, check out the episode notes in your podcast player or go to beyondtheplaypodcast.com. This episode is produced by myself along with Ian Cohen, Joel Yetten, and Sean Petrosian. Find me and keep up to date with this podcast across all social media platforms at Uncapped's Plate or go to beyondtheplaypodcast.com. Beyond the Plate is on all the socials at BT Play Podcast. Please rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast on your listening site of choice. Thank you for listening to Beyond the Drink, a production of Beyond the Plate. I'm Cappy.